Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Let's pray. Father, uh, we are here because we want to have an encounter with you. Some of us have really good hearts and we're coming here to give to you, but a lot of us come in selfish, like me. And so we just place our hearts before you and uh, we give you who we are to work with. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, everybody take a seat. Okay, so when you're sitting down, you can grab the connection card and grab the other uh, pledge card for people that are part of uh, branches. So for that connection card, if you're visiting or if you're part of branches and you're connected, like you want to get connected, but you're not connected or you have questions, or if you want people to pray for you, that's what those are for. And we actually use those. So they're not just papers that we like to print up for the heck of it. Oh, thanks. So um, that's what those are for. And then we had a couple people from Branches uh, approach us and say, you've you got to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about this. So those, those pledge cards, what those are for, they're for people at Branches. So if you're visiting, we're basically stealing like two minutes of your life right now. So sorry about that. But um, for people that are part of Branches, we had some other people who were part of the community. And they said, look, you always tell people about ways they can give to work around the world or across the street and you bring in people to share and you talk about how we can, you know, support them financially and what they're doing, but you never really share about branches. So like, we just don't know. And so that was good for us to hear, but we're going to keep doing that, by the way. We're going to keep, because when, when we give to the Lord, we're giving to the Lord. You don't have to just give to a church. And so we emphasize that so much that our friends at branches were like, we get that, and we agree with that, but you still need to say what's going on at Branches. So um, let's do that right now. So what we're trying to do is we're, for the first time, in fact, May will be the five-year anniversary of Branches, since we planted Branches, and which is really weird in my head. But um, we've never asked for people to consider giving more, because we're like, that's the Lord's job. So this is the first year we're going to do that. And so for 2014, for people that call Branches home, we want you to do that for several reasons. We want you to consider it. We know some of you can't. Like, that's just the way it is. But we want you to pray about it and consider it because um, at the end of April, you know, we call ourselves a family expecting guests, which means, you know, we're a church family, but we're inviting others and expecting them to come. But the reality is, if you look around, there really aren't that many open seats. This is how it works. The front two rows are always open because everyone's scared of them. Then people come late because you live in Southern California. So everybody starts coming late, and there's people lined up in the back. And if you have a room and it's 70 to 80% full, then when people come in, they're like, wow, it's full. There's nowhere to sit, especially somebody visiting. Because the last thing a visitor wants to do, just so you guys know, they don't want to go, hey, excuse me, can I get in there? And the last thing they want to do is have someone go, oh, let me take you up to the front. So we're a family, and we say we're expecting guests, but we're really not prepared. And so... Um, We've put this off and put this off. We've talked about it for two years. But at the end of April, we're going to have two services, two gathering times. We don't know the times. We don't know how we're going to do it. 
Um, but we can't call ourselves a family expecting guests if we're really not prepared for guests. It's like inviting someone over for dinner. No, you're welcome to come over. There's really nowhere to sit, but you can sit over there. Um, so we're doing that. We also, um, our children's ministry is expanding. We're going to start a kids club, so we've got to rent this space. We don't know where, and we don't have the money to rent it. Um, our junior high and high school group is growing, and we've got to provide for them and give them more opportunities. The work at La Casa is growing. Our stuff globally is growing. The work we're going to be doing in El Salvador this summer and the future. So we want to be able to do more. And so for that, that's why we're asking. So there, you heard it. Okay, so the information's on the pledge card. Um, we want to have those by the last Sunday in January. Please only fill out one. Please keep it anonymous. We don't want to know who you are. We just want to be able to plan the budget. So we're doing our budgeting, and we've got to figure out, you know, who we're going to give to and how. And so that's how we do that. Okay hate doing that, which is why we never do it, but it is important, and the reason I haven't done it, and we've talked about this, is because I was a pansy, um, but I believe in what we're doing, and because of that, I'll keep doing it, and I'm going to try to stop being a pansy, so thank you for forgiving me for my pansiness. All right, now is, well, really, it's Donovan's time on stage, so let's invite, uh, let's invite the Durans up. This is the dedication of Porter. Now, I know some of you are like, wait, Porter, I thought it was Jacob. You'll, you'll get all the answers to those questions. So I'm Joey Duran, and this is my wife, Kim Duran, and uh, our big boy, Donovan Duran. And then we have a new addition to the fam- family. It was a blessing from uh, God, and his name is Jacob Porter Duran. So we're the Durants. Hi. <laughs> all right. We're super nervous, so we typed what we're saying, and um, I just want to say how happy we are to be able to do this this morning, and um, a lot of you know what a struggle it was to get here today, and so we're super blessed, and um, excuse me, so um, his name, uh, partway through the pregnancy, we um, realized there were some complications, and we decided we needed to name him like right away, um, to put some authority in our prayers for him. And we chose the name Jacob. Um, towards the end of the pregnancy, we decided on a middle name, which is Porter. And that's what we've been calling him, Porter. So <clears throat> that's why there's two names. And some of you know one, and some of you know the other. And they're both his names, so that's okay. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Around, um, okay, so I'm just going to tell you kind of what happened. Around 24 weeks pregnant, we found out that Jacob Porter had special circumstances and at the very least would need surgery as soon as he was born. On top of this information, we were encouraged to have some testing to discover if he would even survive once he was born. We allowed the blood test and then had to wait two weeks for the results. It was like our future had suddenly been placed on hold. Even with everyone praying for us and placing our faith in the Lord each morning, there was still an uncertainty of knowing if his plan was for us to have a chance with our baby or maybe not. I got my answer through a verse that I've read a hundred times relating it always to myself. I was washing my hands in a friend's bathroom, and I saw the verse on their wall. As I read it again, a sort of peace washed over me, and I knew that God was giving me this verse for my unborn child. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. 
And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So from that moment, um, I knew our child would have life outside of me, and um, we should start to prepare for whatever special needs he would have. So Joey's going to talk. So our journey so far has been at times overwhelming and even exhausting. Porter spent 25 days in the NICU at Chalk and Orange and has endured two successful surgeries so far. We are so blessed and totally honored that God has given us a chance to be parents to our two amazing boys. We, are, we know this is only the beginning for us, although Porter will be able to live a totally normal life with no outward sign of his amazing beginning. He will continue to need certain specialty cares, and we are so humbled to have the Branches family community beside us through thick and thin. We are so grateful to our family members. They truly went out of their way to help us. Our experience with the hospital workers and all of our doctors was divinely inspired, and we saw God's covering everywhere we turned. We can't tell you how much everyone's love, support, and prayers have comforted comforted us and lifted us up. And so Donovan wants to talk a little bit. I think he wants to just explain about what happened when uh, Jacob Porter was in the hospital a little bit. Um, first went about his owie. They played the guys all around his tummy. And, and his owie was out really um Long first, then we put medium back in, then all the way in. We pray for God. We pray for Jacob Porter to get her in his whole life. Amen. So with this all being said, we would like to give Jacob Porter to our Heavenly Father to live life the way that he has planned. We have a Psalm 139, 13 through 18 that we have chosen that will re- represent this young boy. So I'm just going to read it. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. To wrap, to wrap things up, we are showing this publicly that Jacob Porter is given to you to live his life that you have blessed him with. Our, pray, our prayer for Porter is that he may never have to search, but that he may rest in the knowledge of God's undying love for him. We pray for him to live a long and healthy life and to have a strong sense of his place in the kingdom. May he grow into a strong man after God's heart. So we're giving Jacob Porter to God, and thank you all for letting us share this with you.
So, um, I was telling the Durans beforehand, like, I know how much emotion is, like, bubbling under the surface in their lives. And so when we were out there, like, I, I still feel it right now. I feel like, we say we're a family expecting guests, and, like, for those at branches, like, you know what I'm talking about. This is, this is our, this is our child, too. And we need to be praying for him and praying for this family, um, because they do have so much underneath the surface. Fear, excitement, hope. But if they have it, then we have it. And so when I was outside, I could just feel it surging through my body, almost like I was dedicating my own child. So what we're going to do together as a church family is the Durans are going to walk down here in front. Um, so you guys can start walking right now. And then um, family, friends, people that came, please come up with them. We're going to place hands on them, and I want to pray over the family together. Uh, so if we could have everybody stand up. You don't have to all come up, but gives you permission to come up. If everybody's standing, because you know how that works. So we're going to um, lay hands on them and uh, pray for our family. Father, you have already done so much. Uh, you've taken us through so much. And Porter is, he has, he has your face, Lord. He is the, uh, he's made in your image. And his life and his miracle is a reminder to us of our God. And we ask, Father, that you would continue um, to show us you through the life of Porter and the life of the entire Duran family. So, Father, he's yours. We dedicate him to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, please greet each other. Say hello.
All right, good morning. You're going to need uh, some Bibles. So if you don't have one, please take ours. If you need to keep it, please keep it. It's yours. So we are going to, um, for the next six weeks, this is the first Sunday, we're going to talk about um, how to hack your spiritual life. Okay, and I'll explain what that means in a second. But what we did was um, right after the beginning of the year, we challenged our entire church to a 515 challenge. I know it's not really catchy. I made it up. That's why it's not that catchy. But what it was is to, to spend five minutes at the beginning of the day, your very first five minutes of your day, being alone with God and basically saying, God, this is your day. I belong to you. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know really how to pray, but I want to follow you. I want this. I want everything that happens today to be directed by you. And then during that week, to spend 15 minutes, add it up, you know, 15 minutes just read, actually reading the Word of God. Not just um, hearing about it, but you actually stop. It could be three minutes a day. It could be, you. oh, I forgot for six days in a row, but at least I can squeeze in that 15 minutes. We felt that was really doable. Now, some may go, 15 minutes, that's forever. And some people may go, what, five minutes? Really? That counts as prayer, just five minutes? Shouldn't it be more? But the thing was, is we talked about all that, but we didn't give you any direction on how to do that or any encouragement or hope or, or how to move forward with it. So that's what we mean by hacking your spiritual life. Now, when I say hacking, we're not talking about like a cold or the flu or you got to get something out. And we're not talking about like breaking into a bank. Like that's not kind of hacking we're talking about. But the reason we're talking about hacking is, is well, we, we talked about this with several of our friends. And I remember one of my friends, he, he's at another church, and he's the kind of guy at the other church. Like, he's an usher. He's in leadership. He's like, holy, right? You know the people you think are holy? And he is an amazing guy. And when we talked about it in a group, we said, so where do you go, and how do you spend time alone with God? And he looked at all of us and said, I, I just don't. And you could see everyone going, Really? You don't either? Like, it was like, well, I knew I didn't, but I assumed you did. Okay, I'm just shooting everybody straight. I know that for the most part, most of you do not spend time alone with God. Not on a consistent basis. For a lot of different reasons. And this isn't to guilt us. It's just to be straight out honest. And when we sat in that group, you could just see everyone going, oh, cool. So you're just as messed up as me then, right? You don't know what you're doing either, right? Like, everyone just felt so much more comfortable realizing we don't know what we're doing, and I'm glad there's somebody else like me. But this is doable. God is the living God. And he wants us to spend time with him. And it's okay to be freaked out about it and not know how to do it. It's okay to understand, like, okay, I want to read the Bible, but I don't really know how. I don't know where to start. And when I do, I get confused or I get bored. And there were all these different reasons that people came up with. But I want to give us permission to be able to hack that spiritual life. Because I remember, well, let's describe what hacking is first. So I heard about um, when the iPhones first came out, people would go, oh, there's these cool things you could do. And I'm like, I, I can't do that on my phone. And they're like, oh, you need to hack it. Really, what does that mean? If, you know, if, if I can break the rules, I'm all in. And what they said was is that you can jailbreak it. That's another way you say it. So this is the kind of hacking we're talking about. 
you can jailbreak it so that you can bypass the restrictions. You know, the things you're not supposed to do. And you can do that in your whole life. And so I want to show you a couple examples of hacking. And we're going to bring this into the spiritual life. So, um, for example, you know how like when you're cooking and you've got the spoon and you're like, oh, I don't want to put it on the counter because i got to clean the counter and the counter might be dirty. But you do, right? Because you're not prepared. You're like, if I pull that dish out, then I'm going to get that dish dirty. Oh, break the rules. They have these little holes here. Just drop the spoon in. It dip. You hacked that problem. That's a life hack. Okay? Let's go to the next one. Now let's get to the important things in life. Okay? I don't know if this shows up really well. <clears throat> this is a guy with his sweatshirt on backwards, and he's working. And you know how you don't know where to put your popcorn? It's right there in his hoodie. Like he's hacked the problem of where do you put your food when you're working. So he just turned his sweatshirt back around. He, he bypassed the restrictions and brought it to the front. He thought outside the box. Okay? Now let's get to the nitty-gritty. Pancakes. Okay? Like every time I do the pancakes, like I'm doing it, and like I want to have this big round pancake, but I always have those drips everywhere. So you just take like a Heinz ketchup bottle, pop it open, and you just pour it all in there, and you get to keep it. Because you know how you have that big bowl, and you put it in there because you're like, well, I'm not going to throw this stuff out. And then it gets all dried on the top, and you've got that saran wrap that doesn't really work. On top of that, and all the air gets in. You put it in this, you can keep it forever. And here, here's probably the most important part, because we've all wanted to do this. How do you get the bacon into the pancake? Got a hack for that too. Okay? You pour, you put the bacon down, you just pour the pancake batter right on top of each strip of bacon, and now you have bacon pancakes. Boom! So this is what we mean by hacking. You're bypassing the restrictions and doing it the way that you can. This is what I want to say about prayer. We're going to focus on prayer this morning, but we're not, there's so many different aspects to prayer. We're just going to focus on listening. We're just going to focus this morning on how do you hack this prayer life of listening? How do you bypass the restrictions? And this is what I mean by restrictions. I remember when I graduated college, and I was living with this guy who was, like, way too spiritual. He was actually a college professor. And so me and a bunch of other guys moved in with him and rented all the rooms in his little condo. And so he would have these group of high schoolers that would come over. And he was doing all this amazing stuff with people. And he'd go back into his room to pray before they came. And honestly, like, there'd be times when I, when I knew he was praying back there that I'd look underneath the door to see if there was, like, a bright light coming out of there. Because he was such a godly man. So I assumed, like, he knew what he was doing. And so I, I asked him, I said, what do you do when you're back there? You know, because I was like, how do you do this? I mean, sure, I'm not going to be able to do it because I just can't pray. Because I always, well, I stink at it. So I'm sure I can't do it. And he's like, well, sometimes I just read the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, I figured that was in it. And then sometimes I'll, um, I'll listen to music. Whoa, 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 whoa What? Like, you just listen to music and you count that as prayer? Does that count? Almost like, you know, you're supposed to do it a certain way because we're actually praying to please God. He's like, well, yeah, I'll just sit there and I just sit. Well, you just sit? Yeah, and and, uh, probably more than half the time, I just fall asleep. (laughs) What? You can't fall asleep in prayer? But you know what? Why not? 
Who said that you can't? I mean, I think of Elijah. Elijah was running out and he was exhausted and he went to go pray. So he went out to a cave. Isn't that what you're supposed to do when you pray, right? Like, oh, in the cave, out in the wilderness. He went out there. You know what God did immediately? You, know, you need to go to sleep. But you can't do that. You can't. If you fall asleep, that means you blew it, right? Does it? You need to break the restrictions that you, you need to jailbreak your prayer life and think outside the box. Because all that really matters is that you are before God available. And when you're before God available, maybe he's going to go, yeah, but you know what you need? So you need to be prepared. When you stop and present yourself before him, he's probably going to take you in a direction you never expected. So when we talk about hacking the spiritual life, that's what we're talking about. Now, when we get to that, I want us to be very honest, though. I want us to be very transparent of where we're at when it comes to our consistency or our routine of praying. So we were with um, our really close friends. And just by chance, this question was asked. The same question that I wanted us to deal with, and I wasn't the one that he was even leading the group, but the question was asked, hey guys, where do you go to go do your time alone with God? You know, your daily routine of praying or spending time alone with God. How do you do it? And again, the honesty, I want, I want to share a few of the things that were shared in that group. Some people said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to go and pray. I don't want to go and pray sometimes because I'm so used to when I do something, I get an immediate reward. And when I go and sit down with God, sometimes I walk away and I don't feel anything. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't see anything tangible I didn't laugh. I didn't cry. I didn't feel this excitement, this electricity. Sometimes it's just like I was just there. Some people don't pray because what if God doesn't answer me? What if I don't hear his voice? I don't want to deal with that. So if I just don't go, then maybe I never have to deal with that disappointment. It's much like if you... if. Uh, if your car is breaking down and you know it's breaking down, you just don't want to get it checked out, right? Or if you're like, oh, I've got that pain and it just won't go away. But if I go to the doctor and they actually tell me what it is, so it's almost like, let's just not go pray because I don't want to have to deal with the possibility of my doubts being true. And let's be honest, right? Um, Another person said what everybody else was thinking, and I didn't realize how prevalent this was. They said, you know what, when somebody tells me I have to do it or I know I should do it and I should be disciplined, as soon as the word discipline is focusing or floating around in my head, I just don't even bother because I know I'm going to fail. And a lot of the other people in the group said the same thing. That's exactly for me. I don't pray consistently because I'm tired of failing. Again, I want us to come back to what it means to hack the prayer life, what it means to bypass the restrictions. Who said that you couldn't be human? Who said that to be a person that is following God and has a spiritual life, that has a life that has a soul to it, that you can't also be inconsistent? Who said? Be who you are. The most valuable mentoring I ever received in the prayer life was this. Pray as you can not as you can't.
pray as you can, not as you can't. That was so relieving for me. I remember looking under Vince's door just going, I'm sure that the stuff that he's a part, like I could just, I'll fail. I'll blow it. I'll ne- uh, uh, oh. One of the guys in our group said something, and I was like, yes, listen to that. He goes, you know what? He goes, I have drifted so far away from where God's at. And he said, I've, I've, I realize that when I get home from work at night, I am just going to go out into my porch and I'm just going to sit there. If that's all I do, I'm just going to sit out there and say, God, this is your time. I'm here. And I know him. He's going to have a cigar. I just know him. Who said you can't have a cigar and talk to God? Did anybody say that? Is that anywhere in the bylaws? And yet he doesn't. Does he have enough? Is he going to go through the Lord's Prayer? Is he going to go through Scripture? Is he going to do Lectio Divina? Is he going to journal? I remember people, when they'd all journal when they were praying. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I probably have like five pages of journals for the, my entire life filled out with prayer. Because I just couldn't maintain that. Pray as you can, not as you can't. So, if you could open up to Genesis chapter 3. Because I want to focus on another aspect of why I think that we have a hard time praying. I want us to look... Well, let's just go right to it. So, um, in fact, we probably need someone... By the way, if you see anything that's out of line here at church, you know how you look around? Like, for example, everybody knows that that screen got bumped or the projection unit got bumped and it's off. And everyone's like, well, that's a bummer. And nobody wants to, like, move it. You all have permission to come and go, and fix it. Anyone. You can come from the very back. You could have your, you could just kick your eight-year-old son up and go, hey, go, you go fix it. So this is Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, I won't remind you of the details. I'm assuming most of you kind of know the basic outline. God and man walk together, listening, walking, being with each other. Uh, they were naked. Nobody ever emphasizes that, but I want you to have that picture in your head. Think about that. How weird is that for us, right? In fact, I just came back from El Salvador and um, talk about uh, hacking church life or bypassing the restrictions. The, the guy that was teaching at one of the churches had a pair of trunks on, no shoes. Everyone's there. He's talking to them. They've got this little like lamp that's like plugged in up there. No shirt. So next week, I just needed to get some more push-ups in before I did it. But he was just talking, and all the ladies were up front, and he had his shirt off. I don't know why I got off onto that tangent. Oh, naked, that's right. So Adam and Eve don't have their clothes on, okay? But they feel safe. They feel comfortable enough to be who they are in the presence of God. And God gives his commands. And he gives his commands because he cares for us. Because he says, this is wise for you. And he told them not to eat from just one tree. Don't eat from this one tree. And of course, through temptation and this and that, they ate from the tree. And then um, after that, they went. And they hid in the garden And then they looked at each other, and they didn't feel comfortable with each other, and so they covered themselves up, they covered up their nakedness from each other. 
fig leaves, I guess. I don't really know how you pull that off, but they did that. And so then the man and his wife, here in verse 8, the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. And all that I was sharing about my friends and about you, like we hide from God, don't we? There's this sense of guilt and shame or fear of all different kinds. And so we do what Adam and Eve do. We hide from God. Um, I had a, a friend teach me this habit. And... Um, It's a habit of one day a month going for like uh, six hours or so to just go be alone with God. And I'll tell you that that sounds fantastic, but I'm afraid every time. I I can't put it into words. I know it sounds dumb. You get to go spend time with God? Yes, but you're like, there's going to be no phone. There's going to be no distractions. There's going to be like we fill ourselves up with distractions I think a lot because of the reality of us having to be alone with God. When we see Adam and Eve in this situation, we're familiar with what it means to hide from God. In fact, um, I went away for 21 days of solitude one time. And I went away for the 21 days, and and I thought it was going to be very quiet and boring. It was not quiet. Because what we don't realize is how much noise is going on underneath the surface when all the distractions stop. When everything slows down and it's just us and God, you're going to hear a lot of sound. In fact, uh, Pascal, most of you know him because he's a genius or heard him. He's, his, he's lived a long time ago. He's one of those old smart guys. Um, but he, he was also a man of faith. And he said something so, so wise. He said, the downfall of man is that man cannot go into his room alone for even an hour. Like, you know, that's what we do for punishment for kids. Oh, yeah? Well, you go to your room for an hour. Not realizing they have all these distractions in there. But what if you put them into a room or solitary confinement? That's why people are so frightened of jail. What am I going to do? And yet you'll have friends that have gone to jail. And when they come back out, they're like, whoa, I learned so much when I was alone. There's a lot of junk on top of that they'd rather not have to deal with. But that aloneness is not as scary as you think it is. But it doesn't matter. Even I have this monthly habit and this weekly, daily habit of spending time alone with God. And yet, it is normal to want to go hide from God and fill it with some distraction. To pop open up your phone. Like, the phone is almost like the end of the spiritual life as we know it. I'm in El Salvador with some of the poorest people on the planet. And I was in this group of Christian surfers. And I walked in. And they were having their leadership board meeting. And I walked on to this little platform outside, and it hadn't started yet, and literally all six of them had their phones open, just looking. Not talking to each other, nothing. Just doing all their stuff. Like, it's such a distraction, isn't it? Like, takes us off. And that's why the Israelites, when Moses would talk face-to-face with God, 
Moses is like, hey, let's go do this. Let's go talk to God. Come on, let's get on this. And the Israelites said this. They said, no, no, no. You, you speak to us and we will hear. But don't let God speak to us or otherwise we're going to die. And the reason that I wanted to bring this up this morning, the reason I want to go through this for the next six weeks is that I'm concerned that that's how you think. That you have this idea that I'm going to go home and during this week, that if you could look under the door, you'd see this light. And then I'm going to come here and speak to you. And the only way you're going to hear from God is if someone has this bent up mic on their mouth and they're talking to you. And that's how you're going to hear from God. That's not how it works. God wants to speak to you. Do you want to hear him? It's understandable if you want to hide and run, but do you understand that you can speak with God and even more importantly, you can hear from him. And that's where I want us to put our effort in these upcoming weeks is to really go out of our way, be willing to bypass all these restrictions that we think are in the way and let's learn how to sit with God. And that's why we're going to focus on listening first. Because the more and more that you pray, you know, you think you're supposed to do things. I got to pray this prayer and I should copy what this person does. And the more you pray, you're going to come to the conclusion that Soren Kierkegaard did. He said, a man prayed, and really he's talking about himself. And I put this up here because this is what I've come to the conclusion of as well in my, in my life. A man prayed and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until in the end... He realized that prayer is listening. That's that's the best prayer. That's why we're starting there. The best prayer is just being before God and letting him do the talking. But how do we get to that place where we can hear God? Um, I want to look at some hackers. I want to briefly just highlight some hackers. Um, so Jesus, we knew how he wouldn't pray. They asked him, hey, how do we pray? And he said, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray this prayer exactly as I pray. Is that what he said? No, but we assume that. We assume that we have to do it just like Jesus did. But this is what he said. He said, pray like. And I want to put that in the air quotes. Like. Pray like this, which means he's giving us permission to bypass the restrictions that are in our head that way we think we're supposed to do it and pray as you can. This is the general way to pray, which means include these things. Our Father who is in heaven, like you should probably be sitting before the one and true God. Pray like that. Sit before the one and true God. And then he gives us other guidance behind that. But it's, it's pretty broad. He gives us a lot of room to roam. So much room that Peter, right? Peter, he's the big dog, the next in charge, so to speak. The one that probably learned the most from Jesus. And so we see in Acts that he is praying. And we know that he's praying at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. That means nothing to us, right? Let me tell you where it was. Because I got to go to the spot in Israel where he prayed. It was on the beach, Now, when I say it was on the beach, I don't mean you had an ocean view. I mean it's on the beach. Beach, sand. Said that he went up to the roof. So he's up on the roof and he's praying. Okay, you know what he did? He fell asleep. He fell asleep while he was tanning and praying up on the roof. 
while he's bronzing, he's praying. Okay, this is a guy that walked with Jesus. Who said you can't do that? Now, if we said, hey, do you want to go and pray? Do you want to go and listen to God and be alone? Or do you want to go to the beach and tan? I should do this. But I really want to do this. Hey, why don't you go to the beach and sit before God? And don't feel guilty if you fall asleep. Because when you wake up, he's still going to be there. Maybe you need to sleep. Maybe he needs to put you out so that when you wake up, you're ready to listen. Maybe all that stuff that's stressing you out, you can't hear God because you're freaking out. And yet, God interrupts him as he's bronzing on Simon's roof on the beach. And I don't know if he surfed, but I know right in front of this place, there's waves. Just thought you should know that. Mary and Martha, they're at the house. Martha's doing all the work. And Mary, what does she do? She just sits down at his feet. Did she, was she on her knees? Was she like this? Was she like this? Did she have her eyes closed? Were her eyes open? Does it matter? She was sitting before Jesus and listening. And was he like going through the old scriptures? We don't know. He was just talking and she was available. Maybe he was talking about one of his brothers. Do you ever think about that? Maybe he was like, yeah, James, when we were kids. And she's just there listening. Who said it always has to be about the Bible? The important thing is that you're sitting before God. Think about this. Why can you not go to the airport? Some of you just like to watch people. Why can't you go to the airport and say, God, I'm going to come here where all these people are, because you know me, I like to watch people, and I'm going to sit here, but I want to listen. Show me something, God. I want to I be with you. I want you sitting right next to me. Use your imagination. Who said you can't use your imagination? St. Teresa of Avila. If you've got the name Saint in front of your name, that probably means you know how to pray. And she said she would use her imagination all the time when she prayed. She would bypass the restrictions, and she would just say, you know what? I imagine myself sitting there with God's arms around me. And sometimes I would, like, lay down and put my head on the pillow and just imagine that it was God's lap. Why can't you do that? Who said so? Hack it. Spend time with him. That's what matters. Whatever it takes, get to that place. Pray as you can, not as you can't. Um, Samuel and Eli. Some of you are like, well, I have to go early in the morning. That's when Jesus prayed. Jesus got up early in the morning and went and prayed. I have so much to share. and We're running out of time. So you're going to get some of this next week. But let me, let me close with two things. Samuel and Eli are in the temple. And Samuel's a young guy. And he's learning from Eli. And he hears the voice of God. He hears God speak. And as he hears God speak, he doesn't know what's going on. He thinks it's Eli. So he's like, Eli, what's up? I didn't call you. So he goes back. And he hears the voice again. And he comes back. And eventually, Eli's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, when you go back and you hear that voice again, just say, yes, Lord. Your servant is listening. And this is at night, and he's in bed. He's not in the prayer position. He doesn't have his hands like this. He's in his bed. At night, at the end of the day, most likely. And he hears God's voice. Because he was at a place 
It was quiet. There were no distractions. And he said what he believed. Here I am. Here's your servant. Man, there's so many other examples of hacking the spiritual life. But I want you, as you move forward, thinking about this challenge of the 515. Please don't think of it as much as 515, but as how do you develop this routine, this habit of sitting alone with God? As you develop this habit of sitting alone with God, first of all, be straight up honest that you are probably hiding as well. That you have this hesitation. Don't feel guilty about it. Just be honest about it. And make a decision that you're not going to hide. Now, this friend of mine that I talked about in the very beginning, who, you know, he's the holy guy that, of course, he's praying. And he's like, I should be. And when we sat there, he said, you know what? This is the third time in the past, like, I can't remember if he said a week or two. This is the third time that God has made it clear that I need to be alone with him. And he said, so we've got this loft and I got this new chair. And he'd already chosen the place and the time. I want you to choose the place and the time right now. Do not let me finish talking. If you want to tune me out, that's fine. Just as long as you pick out the place and the time. And he chose the place and the time. He goes, in that chair, I'm going to put my Bible right next to that chair. And I'm just going to sit there after the kids have gone to school and before I leave for work. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be there for God. I'm going to be there to listen. When? When and where? You know what? It might be with your headphones. It might be on a walk. It might be while you're running. That's what my wife does. I don't get it. When I'm running, I need to breathe. But for her, that is her most, like, it's so valuable to her because that's when she can, why not? Who said you can't run and be with God? So I don't know what it is for you, but choose your time and your place. It doesn't have to always be at four in the morning. It could be at noon. It could be your lunchtime break. It could be at night when you're going to sleep, but choose it. And the last thing I want to say is, um, the very, very last thing is, are you really ready to listen? That's what we're going to talk about next week. But I want you to start thinking that right now. Do you really want God to talk to you? That's part of the reason why we hide from that experience. But ask yourself that question. Are you ready to listen? So I'm going to invite the worship team up. If anybody has a hack idea for this one, I would appreciate that too. If you have glue in your back pocket, that would be fantastic. Um, could you all stand up with me in prayer? Pray in whatever position you want. I just started standing for the worship team, but you can sit down if you want to worship that way. Worship as you can, not as you can't. Father, I, I beg and I plead, Lord, that you would guide us as a people. Guide us to your feet. Guide us to the cave. Guide us to the chair in the loft. Guide us um, to the roof, to bronze. Whatever it takes, Lord, for us to be with you, Lord. We want to give you that space. We do desperately. There's nothing more valuable in this world.
to us in being able to know you and for you to teach us about ourselves. But Father, we confess to you that uh, we run and we hide or we put other things above you. So Lord, teach us. Teach us the possibilities. Teach us the way that we can bypass all of the restrictions we have in our head, all the way we think, all the ways we think we're supposed to pray. Bottom line, Lord, we want to listen to you. And we know that you've done it for centuries. You've interrupted people. And you've also met people when they've set the time aside. So we set this time aside for you. Father, this offering that we're going to take, we lay it at your feet. It's for your purposes. We ask that uh, you would get glory for where your stuff goes. And Lord, as a leadership team, you know we need your wisdom. So we ask for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.